we we should uh, we should uh, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll start and we'll see if you can uh, we can hop in because uh, people are are in here and yeah we're gonna <laughs> there's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve here but that's uh, I think that was the reason we we decided to do the first uh, show to kind of air this out uh, talking about the Batman and not kind of the usual topic of the day which will usually kind of be the format of this I guess uh, it'll be like. Uh, uh, you know, like a follow up to what we talk about on the regular podcast and then also, you know, Q and A's and, and some talk from you guys. Um, so. How is this? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Uh, we can definitely hear you. Cause I, okay. I can see, I can see you operating properly now. Oh, there we go. And there's some, uh, there's some thumbs up. Yeah. Feel free to drop I'm messages in chat, properly. by the way. <laughs> uh, feel free to drop uh, messages in chat, by the way. Uh, cause we're, we're looking at that too, as, uh, as, uh, the episode goes. Um, so yeah, we're we're here to talk about the Batman, which uh, came out like last weekend. This is uh, this past weekend was its second uh, box office weekend. It's doing really well. It made like two hundred and fifty million dollars thus far uh, domestically, uh, and its drop in weekend two in the box office was actually kind of low. Meaning that's a good thing. Like it only dropped fifty percent. Where usually we'd be like that drop like sixty, sixty-five plus even. Um. And it has, you know, like that kind of Rotten Tomatoes synergy of like a high audience score, a high critic score, which are kind of similar, not absurdly high into the like ridiculous, uh, you know, like sort of comical levels. But, you know, like in the high 80s, I think both of them. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit. We, we spoke about uh, a little bit on the pod about um, about this movie and we were talking about watching it in the premium formats and the premium formats have been playing a big part in this kind of like in Dune as well. Um, and, uh, AMC's variable pricing didn't affect it. Like people just flocked to see it in AMC too. So, uh, you know, I guess good signs for the theater industry, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we're going to spend too much time on like non-spoilery stuff. There is a little to say about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it was, uh, mainly, I was interested to see, especially after watching this movie, how people would react, especially fans of like the Dark Knight trilogy and stuff like that, because this is definitely in a different sort of direction. Like when I was driving home and trying to think of a way of like, how would I describe this movie to somebody who was looking to go see this movie? And it's funny, I landed on the same spot. I texted you, you landed on the same spot. And when I was listening to the Reason Roundtable, uh, Peter Suderman actually landed on the same spot. We all landed on seven. Like, this is very psychological thriller. This is very, I mean, I don't, is is it spoilery to say basically how the Riddler is sort of portrayed in this movie? Or is it kind of sort of known by this point? No, I mean, I think all of the the, the trailers uh, had enough kind of zodiacish kind of imagery in it to, to, yeah, to remind people of seven and uh, uh yeah I, that's that's those are the sort of the two big influences right uh zodiac not necessarily the fincher movie but the the zodiac you know ted cruz's dad the actual zodiac killer. oh no sorry i'm sorry i no, no, that's i take that back it's ted cruz himself with the zodiac killer his dad is the guy who killed kennedy right that's the <laughs> um yeah I, and so uh right yeah keep going but basically to say, I mean, I guess, like I said at this point, I guess it's not really spoilery, but basically the Riddler in this movie is a serial killer I mean, for all intents and purposes. And, of course, he's targeting very specific people, and he has a very specific reason why he is targeting the people he's targeting. And we won't go into that because that kind of, like, starts to spoil the plot and everything. But this does have that very 
like I said, it's very Fincher. It's very dark. It's very basically everybody in this movie is having to go along with whatever the Riddler is wanting to do because you're basically stuck playing his game. And it's very violent. Like, it's weird to kind of, especially after Dark Knight, to describe a Batman movie as violent. But this one kind of amps it up even more so. And I can't decide if it's because it is actually more violent than anything in Dark Knight trilogy or if it's just the way that Reeves shot it in the way that especially when you have sort of that play of light and shadow and obviously if you've seen any of the promos if you've seen any of the trailers you've seen the one iconic scene where Batman you're seeing it upside down and Batman's walking towards you and there's the fire and it's all it's very in that vein throughout the whole movie and then there's another scene in Falcone's sort of lair where there's a gunfight in the hallway and it's completely just lit by the muzzle flash from the guns, which by the way, there's, there's a lot of gunplay in this movie, like surprisingly a lot for a Batman movie and kind of surprisingly a lot for a movie that got a PG 13 rating, but that's well, PG 13, PG 13 keeps, uh, keeps sort of mutating. It's very interesting what you yeah. can get away with in a PG 13. But by the way, it's funny. Cause you know, you're talking up like the violence in this movie and stuff. Uh, one interesting thing that makes this Batman, uh, unique in like the Batman landscape is he doesn't actually kill anyone for the first time. All the other Batman movies, Batman kills a whole bunch of people. This is the one where he actually doesn't kill anyone. People die in the movie for sure. Oh yeah. But it's not Batman doing the killing of them. But I think, I think something you mentioned uh, uh, that's, that's very important to bring up in, in relation to this movie is the contrast between it and the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Cause again, it's good. It's not, it's not like because uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, like Batman Begins, came uh, on the heels of people being kind of sick of Batman, and by people I mean like you know mainstream like movie going audiences. There was always good Batman for Batman connoisseurs and other media, but you know like it it, it kind of descended into the camp of uh, Batman and Robin, and then in the sort of intervening years, then came Batman Begins, and uh, uh, sort of you know. It, it was and still is, you know, well, very well regarded. You know, there's some there's some uh, differing feelings specifically about The Dark Knight Rises. But, you know, like especially The Dark Knight is, you know, sort of universally regarded as great. And and it, uh, contrasting it with this is actually really interesting because they're just different. Very, they're very different kinds of, you know, a well-made Batman movie. Uh, and uh, and. Uh, a, a thing that I think uh, puts sets this apart from the Nolan thing is uh, Nolan is very good at uh, sort of cl- very clean, stark filmmaking. I mean, the the Dark Knight kind of everything after the Dark Knight kind of tried to be the Dark Knight for a long time, right? It it it, it almost uh, it almost uh, was like a a trailblazer for its own like style. Like how The Matrix, for a few years in the early 2000s, there were several movies that tried to be The Matrix. Like The One, Romeo Must Die. There's a few movies like that that nobody remembers now, specifically because they were just kind of trying to ride off of that trend. Uh, but a thing that this movie does that the Nolan movies don't do is it everything is dirty and out of focus and uh, is shot in ways that are deliberate deliberately mask things, let your imagination fill in the gaps of the vibe, the, like the ultra violence and stuff like that. Um, 
And uh, you see it because we can we can start to get into we'll we'll kind of bleed into spoilers. Nobody, we're not going to just jump to the end of the story. So like you know you can kind of slowly bail if you want to really avoid it. Uh, but I think uh, he I think it right in the beginning he establishes that fo- focus like what's in focus and what you see and don't see is going to be very important because the. The first time I noticed it is well in the beginning after uh, after the sort of murder scene, and he throws the murder weapon, and it falls into focus. The camera is on the floor, looking at the room in total out of focus, and he throws the thing on the floor, and it falls right up against the camera in, and into focus. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shots later in the movie that play with that, like when he's uh, when he uh, when he uh, puts the bomb on the guy's neck. It's done fully in total blurriness, where all you see is the blinking lights. You just see very very blurry blinking lights, and then you see them later, and you're like, oh, that was the thing, right? It's very clever. You don't need to see the scene where he's actually attacking him. The window's all fogged up. It's raining all the time. Uh, yeah, you're and and by the way, that's thematic because you don't know. All the criminals are scared of these dark corners. Nobody knows where he's hiding. That idea of like being uh, of being things being obscured and blurry and not knowing exactly where you are. The disorientation and the lack of knowledge is very thematic. And kind of tying in on that is kind of where we start with this iteration of Batman. I call it like baby Batman. He's year two into being Batman. So we're still kind of a little foggy moral compass Batman. We're still very dirty, very gritty Gotham. Like the cops outright hate him. Like Commissioner Gordon keeps trying to take him to these crime scenes because the Riddler keeps leaving notes for the Batman. So it, it's not ever established, and I don't think at this point that Commissioner Gordon knows who Batman is, like he doesn't know he's Bruce Wayne, but he is friendly with him, whereas nobody else on Gotham PD is, and he keeps bringing him to these crime scenes to look at it, and everybody's like, why are you bringing this freak vigilante rubber suit wearing mofo up in here? But it's it's that kind of very, very early Batman, and so you're dealing with a Gotham that I think if I really had to peg it down— I would say that it's not even that the Riddler is the villain in this movie. It's Gotham City. And it's very much, and and that also plays very much into the Riddler's victim choice and why he chooses them and the the statement he's trying to make. But it's also that, that vibe of, is this city worth saving? Can this city even be saved? And the way it ends is, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but that was really one of the more kind of, surprisingly wild endings I think I've seen to a Batman movie. Yeah. And by, and by the way, you know, it's kind of a cliche when people say like the city is a character, right? But actually in this case, it really is because if you think about it, uh, everyone in the movie, everyone so Batman and Catwoman and the Riddler and Falcone and Maroney, who isn't even in it, but like is a part of it and the cops are over are all a result of the same event of the renewal funds sort of corruption. Like they all, all of their lives tie back to a, a, an event in the city. Right. And so like, it's almost like, cause you know how like Tony Stark 
every Iron Man villain was created by Tony Stark because he's like such a, a <laughs> reckless, a reckless guy. Here, it wasn't like Batman created this villain, right? It wasn't like something Batman did because there there are Joker storylines, specifically like in the 1989 Batman where like Batman made the Joker, quote unquote, right? Like he's tied into the way that the Joker became the Joker. Um, but here, like, it, yeah, like it's the, the city created both Batman by, you know, having the Waynes die the way they did. And in this story, Catwoman and the Riddler as a result of like, you know, the city's like underprivileged class uh, suffering from the embezzlement of this fund that was supposed to like, you know, benefit them. And also, like, the punishment is enacted on the city. Like, the city gets punished. The city yeah. itself gets punished. In a fairly biblical and sort of <laughs> prophetic sort of way. Like, again, I don't want to give away the spoiler of what happens, but it's very kind of message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, message. message. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and we can uh, we can also kind of uh, we can also dissect it a little bit on a on a kind of a, a classical review level, I guess you could say, and like just talk a little bit about the cast, for example, and and how uh, spot on I thought everybody was uh, in their role, and uh, and and it, it, you know, people said that this was humorless, and I actually don't agree, really. I thought it was it, it had a kind of a dark sense of humor that was kind of subtle. You know how, like, you know what other movie I felt like that? Uh, the Last Duel has some truly funny moments, and it's not a funny movie, obviously. It's like it's a, not I, a funny movie. <laughs> no, I also don't lie. I was like, again, like, I, we bashed, like, we bashed it too, but, yeah. but, um, but there are a few moments, uh, where like, uh, where like, uh, a couple of people who are, you know, supposed to be like lifelong friends, like, have a chuckle about a thing. And it's just really natural and funny. It's like a funny moment that just makes you kind of chuckle. And I thought there were a lot of those here, but they were just subtle and they didn't pause on them. They just kind of moved on from them real quickly. It wasn't like a, a people are conditioned now to have like Joss Whedon type, you know, jokey jokes. Uh, and I thought this had a little bit of that, just like subtle, you know, like when uh, when Penguin gets like makes fun of them for like uh, for totally uh, misunderstanding the the Spanish, the clue because mm-hmm. it's Spanish, you know, I don't know, habla español or whatever. He's like making fun of them. Uh, I, those are, and so the, it has subtle moments of levity, not you know, it doesn't go and and you know, and then he waddles like a penguin. Which is like a, which is like a small, nice small moment. Um, but uh, but you know you know you said you mentioned year two uh, a thing because because this does uh, set up a Batman universe or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We said a tr- everything has to be a. Tr- thanks Star Wars for making everything has to be a trilogy now, right? <laughs> I've actually said on uh, on Twitter that uh, after re- after reading a lot of books. I like duologies as a, a, a better format than trilogies, like a two part. I, I think it's way, a way better storytelling format than trilogies. Like every time I run into a thing that has like a part one and a part two and that's it, they're great. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't drag. It doesn't have that like extra one in the middle. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause the problem with like a second in a trilogy is it doesn't start in the beginning of the story and it doesn't end in the end of the story. Right. It starts in the middle and it ends in the middle. 
kind of like Infinity War, but like because everybody was so invested in Infinity War, like that movie works. But yeah, it starts in the middle and ends in the middle. <laughs> well, they're doing they're doing Dune as a just a two part two part movie, right? They're not doing a part in, three. In theory, in theory. I, you know they could they could you know if it if it's a if it's a giant success. Because I think Denis Villeneuve said, I want to make Dune Messiah because that'll wrap everything up. I don't know. By the way, commonality here, the same director of photography on both of these movies, Greg Frazier, um, who is like has cemented himself as like one of the best in Hollywood right now. Like his every every movie he makes now, I want to go see because I want my eyeballs to experience it, you know, <laughs> just on pure on a pure visual level. That's interesting because they're two very distinctly different visual styles between Dune and the Batman. Like Dune is dark-ish, but the Batman is dark. Like I, I like I saw a meme on Twitter where they were making fun of like Batman from like the 60s show <laughs> going all the way down, and then like 2025 is just black. It's just a black <laughs> screen, yeah. <laughs> But um, I, I mean, look, it, it's not I, there is actually a benefit to somebody not having so much of their own style that it's a they're like a one trick pony. You want someone who addresses every you know, I studied music production in college and my the best professor I had was a guy who at any given time would sound like the biggest fan of whatever genre we were discussing at that moment in time. So like every student would bring a project, right? We would all be working on our semester long production project. So someone would bring in his project and he would press play and it would be, you know, this brutal thrash metal song, whatever. And he sits there and he listens to it and it ends and he goes, okay, I think you should have like four more guitars here. You should put in a break beat here. Ta -ta 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 -ta. Scream here, do that, double the scream or whatever. Next song is like a country music song and he gives feedback as though he's the biggest country music fan. This steel guitar needs to twang like this and you should harmonize it maybe in this way or that way or whatever. And so like a good producer in that sort of same kind of level you want to treat each project, uh, you want to make each thing the best thing that it can be, right? Make Dune the best Dune that it can be and make Batman the best Batman that it can be. Um, and yeah, like the visual, uh, you you mentioned like how certain scenes were lit, right? Uh, also, uh, and, and yeah, like the, the focus and for example, the car scene, a thing that this and Dune do similarly, but not, but only in a conceptual sense is make something worth watching on a big screen. It's monumental, right? And we were talking about uh, movie theaters, uh, uh, COVID, and how, what about movie theaters, and what about all these things going to Disney Plus? It's like, there's all this uh, prestige television. Why? Why are people going to go to the movie theaters, right? And so it used to be, you know, do a Transformers, put lots of big CG stuff. Now I, I think. Big, big films, films that are big, because like nothing in this movie was like Dune. In Dune, you have like a, everything is supposed to be physically large, giant spaceships, giant worms, giant structures, right? This isn't like that. It's just like a city, a car, or whatever. But it's like I said on the pod, it's made big. You know, like somehow all of the shots are like grand and monumental, even though. They're just having a car chase in traffic in the rain. They're in a traffic jam. It's not even like uh, – compare that to like the Justice League 
where Batman rides in in his Batmobile and has monsters jumping off and he's firing machine guns. There's aliens everywhere. Here it's just like people in a, in a traffic jam and he's like bumping into like traffic cones, the things that have the water in them or whatever, <laughs> like flipping a truck over. It's like, and yet it's epic. That's one thing about this movie that it's going to sound weird to say because, I mean, it's a superhero movie. But there's something about this movie. I mean, obviously, it's not just grounded in, like, modern day. It's grounded in present day. And there's certain visual markers that kind of let you know. Like, there's one scene where the Riddler is calling Batman, and it's clearly FaceTime. And he's live streaming, and it's clearly a Twitch stream because you could tell by the comments on the side. And you could tell, like, he has a Discord server. Like, it's very right now in a way that's almost kind of disconcerting because if you took Batman out of it, like, obviously, I don't think we're going to have, like, Elon Musk, like, swinging through New York City anytime soon being Batman. But if you took that element out, this would be, like, a kind of scarily realistic movie. And there's one scene at the end. I still find like kind of visually jarring and again, trying not to give away the ending, but there's a scene where there's Batman and he's helping the national guard. And it's just a very like visually weird scene of seeing like Batman in full Batman regalia and like national guardsmen, like rescuing people. But it's like, it's very real in a way that's almost kind of disconcerting, especially like, when you think about, especially like the scene where he's live streaming, what's going on? And again, I don't want to give away what was going on, but it kind of echoes back to like Christchurch and stuff like that, where you have had serial killers or at least want to be mass killers who have tried to live stream things. Like you could see this actually happening in real life. Yeah. And unfortunately, Matt Reeves had to like drop January 6th in one of his interviews, even though like I, I mean, I happen to see very little parallels here, especially like in the in terms of like the cause. The cause is more like correct, you know. Taking it's more like anti. It's more like an antifa kind of situation. Yeah. But uh, but um, uh, you're right. It was it was very it was very sort of present in the way. And yeah, that thing at the end. So a, 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 a thing that this uh, this movie did that a lot of superhero movies don't do, but like. I, I, good ones do is it had a character arc okay uh so here's a here's a problem the movie man of steel okay uh now i don't like it when i first watched it i liked it and the reason it, that i grew to not like it is it seems to set up superman like the events of that movie appear to be the thing that establish superman's ethos why doesn't Superman like why doesn't Superman kill anybody because of the thing that happened that one time when he was inexperienced and his inexperience led to lots of people dying. Now he goes above and beyond so that people don't die. Right. Like that. I thought that was where this was going to go. And then it didn't. He just kind of stayed like it, it went off the rails with that whole like DC universe. Here, what happens is like a Batman has a character. What you're describing is what happened at the very end of his character arc. He was vengeance. In fact, he's called vengeance in this movie more than he's called Batman. I believe that the 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 word Batman is used once. It's in writing, right? He writes the postcards are addressed to the Batman, but I believe only Batman says the Batman once, and all the other times 
he's called Vengeance. Both Gordon and Catwoman refer to him as Vengeance multiple times, almost as though that was literally than his name. Like, that was literally his superhero name, and then he decided to change it to Batman. <laughs> like, but, 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 but and, and it's, it's kind of beautiful because he said, right, he said, like, that, that's the bookends of the movie are that, are the scene in the subway where, you know, they say, who the hell are you? And he says, I'm vengeance, right? It beats them up. And the scene at the end, when he unmasks one of the Riddler's henchmen and says, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. And Batman is like, shit, I'm exactly like them. And I need to not be that. Like, what I need to be is not vengeance, right? Because that's what people like that think they're doing. And that's a beautiful character arc that I really hope they don't waste when they're going to do the sequel with the Joker or whatever. Uh, or there was a big, there was a lot of discourse about uh, 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 Dr. Uh, Mr. Freeze about whether or not this world was too realistic for uh, Mr. Freeze storyline. And I don't, first of all, I don't think it is. I think you could always, you can always, uh, you can always contrive something that's kind of reminiscent because like Catwoman in this didn't have any cat powers, which is like a staple of Catwoman, which was still Catwoman. You could just say that Mr. Free or Dr. Freeze or whatever, Mr. Freeze was like a cryogenics researcher whose wife died during a cryogenic experiment. And that's it. And now he's a bad guy, right? It doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to have like a, a fish tank with like freeze thing in it. And he needs to live. Well, I, I think this is also where the 90s kind of ruined Mr. Freeze, because now all you can think is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, and funny enough, because, you know, that character was invented, I, I believe he was invented for the Batman animated series, for one of its most iconic, timeless episodes. And it's tragic. It's that story. It's the, the, the Freeze story where his wife has some kind of disease and she's in a thing or whatever. But it is so beautiful and tragic. The episode is like it, it, it'll it'll like leave you in tears, and then they camped the fuck out of it for Batman and Robin, <laughs> and turned it into like a nothing but a the worst uh, ice puns ever thing. It was just ridiculous, right? And so you're right, that might influence people's thoughts a little bit on how <laughs> on how uh, how much, but also. I don't hate the idea that you establish a world with like nothing is supernatural in it or whatever, and then introduce an element like that. Right. I, I don't hate that because there's always the first time, like a suit, like in Superman, right. In the, in, you know, in the Superman universe until Superman shows up, that world is totally not supernatural. And then one day there's an alien who can do anything. I kind of think that they're not going to go in that direction, though, just because of where they're picking up in, like, the Batman story. We're still dealing with that very kind of criminal elementy sort of part of the Batman mythos where we're, like, cleaning up Gotham and you have Maroney, you have Falcone, you still have the Penguin, you still – he's basically still fighting, like, the criminal gangster element. We've not moved on to, like, fighting other – superhero slash superhero adjacent sort of characters. And I think they're going to stay there. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what I hear, I'm going to make a prediction. How about this? A, a prediction years in advance that an element of the next movie will be 
the question of whether or not the, the thing that's going on is supernatural or not. And then at the end, it'll have some kind of rational explanation, you know, because, you know, like Mysterio, like the Mysterio storyline in, in Spider-Man Far From Home, where you think he's this wizard from another universe or whatever. It turns out he's like a special effects expert who was like putting on a show. I think it might be a thing. Maybe Scarecrow, that would be a, a, a villain who would do, because then you can, every supernatural thing you can explain is like, oh, they were under the influence of Scarecrow's hallucinogenic gas, right? And so then you can also do all kinds of weird visual shit where he's in a haunted house and all of a sudden Scarecrow's gigantic and I don't know what. <laughs> that I can see working better just because, like I said, this movie is very gritty. It's very urban and I can see kind of playing especially on the idea of like somebody gassing the public and like kind of playing like into those sorts of fears. And by the way, guys, listeners, you know, you can kind of chime in whenever you want. You just mash the button and then we'll let you talk. You, yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, we're, we're almost going to, cause, cause what we're going to do in these is like, we're, you know, we're going to like talk for a while. I think whatever, there's not, I, I'm not setting up a, <laughs> an ironclad format here, but I think the general idea is that we will, you know, like talk about a thing and then like, uh, you know, quote unquote, open up the floor, if you want to mm -hmm. call it that. Uh, although we can definitely, you know, we can definitely uh, uh, break that mold if there are like, you know, if we get into the habit of this and want to do just pure Q&A sessions or I don't know, whatever, uh, Oscar prediction shows <laughs> or whatever. I mean, I, hell, we can even do. We can even do like a live, like, you know, one of those like during an award show kind of live watch alongs or something like that. This, I think this platform is very cool for that kind of thing. Uh, I just don't know how. I think to everybody who's in the room right now, I think there's a, a if you're a listener, there's like a thing that you can do where you can request to talk. I think it's the little phone uh It's the little icon in the bottom of your thing that looks like a phone. Oh, there you go. There you go. And so then, and I believe, Jen, I believe I made you a moderator, too. So I think we can actually, like, just, like, take a call. Or... Yeah, you just, just mash the button. Let's see. Okay. Let's see how this works. Okay. Uh, do, I do, the, do I do it like this? Uh, wait. Hold on. I, I think speakers have to unmute themselves on their end. Okay. I think, uh, there we go. I think you can now, I think you can now. Did you, did you invite them to speak? I believe yes. Je I think Je uh, Jeffrey, you're in the queue. Let's see if you can uh, say something. Uh, I think you've got to unmute yourself, which is also in the bottom of your app. Oh, almost. Hello. There you are. Hey. Hello. And we can barely hear you. Hold on. Oh boy. Yeah, it's kind of broken up. <laughs> Let me try. There we go. I just sent another invite. Let's see if that fixes it. Hello? Okay, that's a little better. Okay, um... Now. Oh, oh I think I think you're I think oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, I, I had to like disconnect my headphones. Yeah, I had to do the same thing earlier. I know we all we all we we exactly we all <laughs> of us had that exact same problem. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm also I'm using this on a Android, and it it's weird because it like it doesn't update the room as you do callers. I had to like back out of the room and then go back in the room for me to actually appear as a caller. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm I'm actually I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna write that down. Uh, Android. Yeah. Yeah. I was on uh, one of Stephen Miller's uh, Red Steezes columns the other day, and that exact thing happened. So, oh, okay, I was sort of okay. prepared for it. Okay, cool. Speaking of which, I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing a call in with uh, with Steez next week about Elden Ring. So, stay tuned for yeah, that. He, he mentioned that. Oh, okay, cool, awesome. The the Get Good podcast. Or the good, the get good. Oh, the yes, the get, yes, the get, the, the get, get good. I think he was gonna call it something like, uh, wasn't he gonna call it something like Neon and the Noob or something like that? I think that was his, well, <laughs> his proposed name. Well, well, maybe, but let's face it, it's the get good. It is. I know oh, it's the, it is the get good podcast. How's it going, man? Uh, it's it's going pretty good. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually seen the Batman yet. I, I plan to, but. I don't know, I've sort of fallen out of favor with, I mean, not fallen out of favor, but just, like, once upon a time, I used to, you know, be, you know, opening weekend for, like, every, everything associated with comic books, but there's just too much of it now, you know, so, but, I mean, I, 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 this one actually looks, you know, like it's trying to do something different, so I'm definitely planning on catching it. Yeah, see, I think I think the the fact that it has, uh, like I said, like that sort of synergy of like the audience and critic score on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, even though it's uh, that's a, I, I think like a generally unreliable metric. But the the thing that that indicates to me is that it sort of appeals to like you know like most of moviegoers while still being sort of has that sort of quality making flair that kind of appeals to the critic community you know like maybe uh, people are slightly more snobbish but you know a movie that manages to kind of hit both those groups at the same time tends to be something at least worth watching you know yeah and to kind of yeah. go on the the snobbish thing i think there's there was a lot of burnout with like marvel movies and this is definitely not a marvel movie it's very dc and i think that might be playing into it a lot too but yeah i can I can kind of feel where you were coming from with that. Like it's, it's another week. It's another Marvel movie to go see in the movie theater. Yeah. And it's long. It's, 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 you know what I mean? Oh, like it's uh yeah. yeah. If it were like a, if it were like a, a snappy 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. It's three hours long y'all. If you did not know that going into this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I sort of had, uh, well, one thing is, um, you know, I know, you know, it's it's getting a lot of comparisons to, you know, obviously the Christopher Nolan trilogy. And, you know, like I loved Batman Begins. You know, I loved Dark Knight, not quite as much. But, uh, you know, and I, 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 I hated Dark Knight Rises. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, with Dark Knight, they should have lopped off that last 30 minutes when they sort of shoehorned in Two-Face and just made that the, the third movie because, you know, it seems like that would have been a more natural conclusion to the trilogy because in that he would literally be facing, you know, the dark mirror of himself, you know. 
especially the way they were setting up Two-Face in that movie is somebody who, you know, used to uphold the law and then just went off the deep end and just said, to hell with it, I'm just going to kill all these people. There, there was a, a problem in, in these Batman movies with, like, a villain inflation. This this sort of doesn't have that and it still manages to be, like, super long and overstuffed with shit, even though it doesn't have six villains in it. Like, you know, it has... Because, you know, it has the Penguin in it and it has Catwoman in it, but they're not... It's not like, it, like you say where where even in the dark night they had this sort of, they kind of, they kind of had to shove in a, cause like the penguin doesn't have some kind of origin story. He just kind of sidles up. He does a little, and then he's gone. He has, he's going to have his own spinoff show on HBO, which I'm not, I, I think it'll be fun. Cause Colin Farrell just absolutely like kills this role with like crazy makeup. You don't know it's him. Um, and he's just like, like I said, he's like a funny gangstery kind of type. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do. And by the way, I think the Dark Knight also, I think they had a a, a totally different plan for the third one uh, that it did involve Heath Ledger, but then, he, you know, his, he died, yeah. and so they had to, like, change it. Right. Yeah, I, I always sort of felt that, you know, the role that, uh, uh, what's his name, Cillian Murphy played in the third one was probably originally going to go to Heath Ledger, and they were probably, you know, as, like, the, Oh yeah, 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 death by exile, yeah. And probably, you know, probably would have been expanded a bit in the sequel, but you know, I mean, I don't know. That's just a guess on my part. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, go ahead. uh, So uh, yeah, I was gonna say I do have a question for you, which is, you know, assuming that the sequel to the Batman isn't another Joker story. You know, who who are some of the villains you'd like to see featured that, you know, especially villains that haven't already had, you know, cinematic adaptations? Like, like I, I think, you know, playing up the whole uh, Zodiac connection, I think, you know, John Carroll Lynch would make a one hell of a Professor Pig, you know, especially with oh. the more, you know, realistic thing they're going for, you know. But I like, you know, yeah. who are some of the villains you'd like to see? Ooh, that's a good. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I think. Uh, I think uh, this. Uh, this has some spiritual. Uh, it's sort of uh, reminiscent a little bit of uh, of the long Halloween, and I do think like a holiday kind of storyline could be interesting. They could also change it because the the the, the weirdest part about a long Halloween is like the reveal, right? But the the beauty of it is that it's so weird that you can all do almost anything with it, and that also, by the way, is like a two face origin story at the same time. Uh, but that does, you're right. It does go back a little bit to the, to the, uh, to the things that were already covered. Do animated movies count? Like I, cause like red hood would have been great, but, but you need to set that up with other things. You can't just jump to red hood. Um, that, yeah, I'm not, uh, I, that's a, that, that is a good question. Also, it's, it's a problem because now look at Marvel, for example, only now, you know, uh, 32 movies into it are they like let's bring in some obscure characters you know until now it was like very (laughs) they were very afraid to stray from the big names um well to be fair rocket raccoon was pretty off the wall that was a an amazing an amazing case of like uh, taking a chance and having it pay off like tremendously because like 
think of uh think of uh uh what do you call it uh the uh eternals right same kind of a situation it's not the same kind of property but it's like they're taking a chance on a new t- team of characters and giving it to someone with like a creative voice guardians could have failed exactly in that same way i mean it didn't Eternals didn't fail exactly, but like you know, it didn't it, it didn't also didn't develop a rabid fan base overnight. Yeah, did and it ever develop know, a fan base? Oh, sorry. Hmm? Did it ever develop a fan base? It, it made lots of money, but like again, nobody nobody seems excited about it. Certainly. No. Yeah, and to be fair, as far as you know, Rocket Raccoon and even Groot goes. One of the reasons that was included is, I believe, just a few years before they started planning Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel had that Annihilation crossover, which, you know, that introduced like the new sort of iteration of Guardians of the Galaxy that included Rocket, Raccoon and Groot. And, you know, if you, if you oh. like the, uh, if you like the like cosmic side of Marvel Comics, then that that's Annihilation was like pure cocaine, you know, <laughs> it, it was a it was a great crossover. Yeah. Well, uh, and yeah. And so, and, and, uh, and so I do going back uh, to your sort of initial point, I do think that, uh, the, a, a good thing about this is how re- it's funny to call some of this refreshing because it's oppressive and dark and <laughs> nihilistic <laughs> kind of, but it is kind of refreshing to go see a superhero movie that is very different tonally. And also, like I said, Every moment of it feels very uh, like the creative team behind it, like went as hard as they could on everybody. Like the score is ridiculous and the sound mix is insane. Like, uh, like we were talking about going to see it in like premium format uh, and just having the sound shake your seat in exactly the right moments. And yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a trip to watch in a theater. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Think yeah, thanks a lot. No yeah, thanks a I'll lot, let man. Somebody else hop on here. All right, cool. <laughs> you have a good night. Mm-hmm. You too. Let's see. I don't know if anybody else wants to. I, I, I um, and, and if not, we can kind of slowly wind down here. I guess this is a sort of inaugural episode. Oh no! Oh, here's JD. Oh, awesome! I wanna, I wanna say hi to JD. I, I definitely wanna say hi to JD. Is that it? Can you, can you talk now? How's it going? Hey, how's it going, man? I love your I love your uh, icon on on Colin. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm de- yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of both of you. So I thought doing the Yoko pick would be a great profile pick. <laughs> she's uh, she's not here. She usually she usually uh, when I'm streaming or whatever, she'll hear the uh, the sounds of me finishing my stream, like clicking off all of my mics and stuff, and then she'll kind of saunter out of the back room to say hi. <laughs> so what direction do you think they're going to go for the sequel movie to the Batman then? Do you think they're going to do a sequel or is it going to be like a year one prequel type thing setting it all up? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think they'll do that. I think they might they might go like a, a little bit of a flashback or two maybe. Uh uh, but, um, you know, cause they, they just, so, okay, so we can, we can, this is the end, spoil the end, I guess as well. But, uh, they, there is a Joker, there is a Joker in it. I like who they cast. It's the, I can't remember his name, but he's the, 
here at the movie, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. If you want to talk snobby movies, we can talk about <laughs> The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which, by the way, also has Colin Farrell in it. It's a fucking reunion of those two. Um, and the kid in it, he's really good. He play, he's, a, he's a kind of a disturbing character kind of kid. Um, but, uh, I, but I believe they said it wasn't going to be about the Joker. I think that was just a, you know, maybe, maybe not. Because, you know, I mentioned before um, the long Halloween, right? The long Halloween, I, I can briefly say, is a Batman storyline that takes place over the course of like an entire year. Starts at Halloween. And then every month, like on a holiday of that month, there is a murder that happens by a killer called by a serial killer called holiday, right. Who kills everybody on like a feet and leaves like a thematic tableau of the murder. Um, and, uh, um, uh, uh, and, uh, it's, um, there's a, there's a parts in it. There's a, like a, a Hannibal Lecter type character called calendar man, uh, who Batman goes to like consult a few times, like during this investigation. And he's this like, he's kind of like a Hannibal Lecter. He sits in like Arkham Asylum in a room full of calendars and he's like a genius or whatever. And so maybe Joker will be a character like that in a long Halloween kind of storyline. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't want to spoil the long Halloween. Like I said, there's a, it's, it's basically a whodunit, which has like a very, a very crazy reveal that some people think is like, too absurd, but I, I thought was at least interesting because, like, it, you kind of don't expect it. But it is the two, it is a two phase origin story as well. Uh, and so maybe that's what we're going to get. Also, how do you think this is going to tie in with the future of Justice League? Because I saw some previews and st some stuff online. DC announced like a crap ton of new movies, and they're doing The Flash and Aquaman. And then mm -hmm. Snyder Cut, they set it up for, you know, future films. I think. He originally wanted it to be a trilogy. And so how does that work with Ben Affleck still technically being Batman? Is Robert Pattinson just going to be his own separate universe type thing? Or how are they going to make that work? Any I feel thought? like it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a whole separate universe, separate from anything Justice League or any of the other Batman movies we're doing. And I can, to your point, I can see doing Joker in like a third movie of the trilogy, and I have an idea of where I'd like for them to go with it, but I highly, highly, highly doubt Warner Brothers or DC would ever sign off on it. But there, they had a chance. I thought they had an opportunity to do a old man Joker with like an old Joaquin Phoenix who was like the Arthur Fleck from the Joker movie. Kinda, they could kinda do that. Because, again, it was, it, you know, this is like 30 years after that. And so he could have been like an old man, right? Because that's a, that's a, a semi-interesting thing. They could have, but I don't think they will. Because everybody's doing multiverse now, right? Marvel's going all multiverse. And now the Flash doing Flashpoint is multiverse. They're bringing in Michael Keaton's Batman. They're probably, I, I don't know if this is what they're doing with it, but uh, uh, in Flashpoint Paradox, which is the comic storyline that this movie is sort of based on uh, a universe that uh, uh, Barry ends up in is the universe where instead of the Wayne's dying, it's Bruce young Bruce who gets killed in the alley. And then uh, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman and Martha Wayne becomes the Joker, right? 
Martha Wayne goes crazy and becomes the Joker. And so, and so in that universe, you have like an old Thomas Wayne is old and he's a Batman who was like combating an old woman Joker who is like Martha Wayne. Right. And so people said like, uh, they could have, they could have used, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who plays the comedian in Watchmen could have been him or whatever. And so that might be what they're doing. Like, but just using Michael Keaton for that, it's like he might play Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. But I don't think they would like involve this version of the Batman in that multiversal. It would be so weird. Imagine Ezra Miller <laughs> sauntering up to like Christian Bale's Batman. Like, hey, you want to watch Rick and Morty? Because apparently he likes Rick and Morty. <laughs> that would be so crazy. <laughs> So, so specu- yeah, so speculation about the future aside, which none of us know, because, you know, we could be hit with another pandemic or World War Three, end of all life, and then no more movies. Uh, <laughs> big oof. <laughs> Even in nuclear winter, we will still have movies. Well, well, yeah, Jen, I know that, but I'm saying are they going to make movies during a nuclear winter? That's the question. We'll make, we'll make a super dark Batman. Well, at least, at least Leonardo DiCaprio will have plenty of snow for his movie. He won't have to fly around oh, looking for snow to film his The Revenant 2. <laughs> He'll be like, we filmed in Tunisia. It was snowing. <laughs> They went to the old most Eisley set in the Tunisian desert. That's now a tundra. So if you had to rank Robert Pattinson, just comparing him to Christian Bale, how do you think he did as Batman? You go first. I, here. I like his Batman. I don't like his Bruce Wayne. I'm not feeling him my Bruce. So I, 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 and so, so here's what I think. I think you're, you're now you're not going to see emo. Here's my man of steel type view of the Batman is I think in the next movie, you're going to see a Bruce Wayne. I think one of the things of this character arc was there was no Bruce Wayne. He was out of the suit standing around like he was Batman hunched over and weird and like wearing sunglasses in the daytime because he, you know, his pupils are all dilated or whatever. But then there was that scene where the mayor says to him, like, you should be out there and doing stuff and whatever. And I think cultivating that persona is going to be one of the things that'll advance him. And I'll say this about Christian Bale and the Batman. A thing I loved about this movie that I think is actually kind of deficient in the Nolan movies is Batman is the least interesting thing about the Dark Knight trilogy. Everything around him is so interesting. Like, you know, like the Joker and, 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 uh, and uh, Harvey Dent delivers like an amazing performance. And then you also have like uh, uh, Tom Hardy with his performance and they're all very nuanced and whatever. And Batman is kind of a blankish canvas. You know, he has a, he does a little bit of the playboy stuff or whatever, but like the true emotional love story in that movie is the one between Rachel and Harvey. It's not, it doesn't involve Bruce, right? Bruce has a minor love story with Catwoman in the third movie. And then they're in a cafe in Paris. Or this movie is very interesting about Batman is an interesting character in it, as opposed to just a stoic stone faced 
comes out of the shadows. Like he does, he goes through some shit in this. And yeah. so, yeah, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. To make the point that I made earlier, I mean, this is baby Batman, which means it's also kind of baby Bruce Wayne. So maybe we will see that arc of him kind of becoming adult Batman slash becoming adult Bruce Wayne, where he becomes like the Bruce Wayne that we normally meet first off when we kind of go into Batman movies and we're talking about when Batman slash Bruce Wayne is a little older and he's a little more established and he's kind of become Bruce Wayne. Like this Bruce Wayne is not that Bruce Wayne. This Bruce Wayne just kind of mopes around the house a lot and just seems to annoy the shit out of Alfred a whole bunch. But yeah, you know, I think, I think <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the idea will be like, dude, you gotta like, you're, you're, you're being super suspicious. It's like, <laughs> who is this guy who has all this tech? You know, who is this like rich guy in a mask who has this tech? Uh, maybe it's Bruce Wayne, the weirdo rich guy who never comes outside <laughs> in the daytime. You know, do you think maybe it's him? Maybe we should read his old tweets where he talks about being vengeance. <laughs> it's like a tweet from he has a tweet from like 2011. That's all that. I'm gonna put on I'm gonna put on a back suit and go fight crime. <laughs> tweet from 2011. <laughs> And then the then the police are going to get on his Discord channel and be like, "Man, this guy has like five hundred followers. Like, super <laughs> suspicious. What are we going to do about him?" People dunked all over that, and I think it's the fault of the movie failing to explain what it meant. There, I think what they mm-hmm. meant is like he had five like an encrypted group of like henchmen views they were aware of like what uh <laughs> what good viral numbers are like they should have explained it better they should have been, said something like this is an encrypted private server and oh my god there's 500 people just on this encrypted server where they're planning attacks or something like that well yeah, yeah they, sh- they sorry sorry yeah yeah, yeah they, they should have explained like oh before he started doing anything he got a cult of like 500 people who yeah, are willing it, to be his henchmen because in, in that in that group it, the messages were all like what caliber are we using don't forget your duct tape and your zip ties you know i mean i guess that was i think maybe that was the the january 6th type illusion that that he was talking about uh, oh, you know what? I, I, let's do one quick point and then end because we're 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 even sort of running over what we intended. But who cares, right? Um, I saw people complain. There was one small thing, and I saw people complain about. There's one line that Catwoman throws out <laughs> way where privileged white assholes. She said she calls at some point like the rich and corrupt of Gotham privileged white assholes. Yeah. And people were, of course, annoyed at this, which I, I can't, I, I mean, whatever, but I, so, and, and I was, uh, I was trying to audit my feelings about why I wasn't annoyed by it. And, uh, and, and here's my, uh, my, uh, here's my conclusion. When I hear a line like that in a movie, I would l- be lying if I said I didn't tense up for half a second, but it's only because I'm conditioned to expect a totally ham handed follow up to this. Whereas here, it was just her. She was ranting because she was mad, and she said that, and then they just moved on, and it didn't matter. And it was kind of within her character to be saying a thing like this. And so, like, again, I try to think about it in terms of, like, would this character have said this in this situation? And is the movie going out of its way to, like, 
to, to tell me that the line is aimed at the audience. And I, and, and the first, the answer to the first question in this case was yes. And the answer to the second question was no. And therefore it didn't, it didn't bother me. Well, it was funny. And this is one of those experiences of watching something in the movie theater. Like even here in Atlanta, that line drew like eye roll laughter, but this was also one of those kind of slightly comical parts of the movie because she's going on this rant about, rich, white, patriarchal assholes to Bruce Wayne. Like, like you're talking about the man right well, in front of but you. I mean, but, yeah, well, I mean, but that was, there was a, a kind of a beauty in that where, in a way, both Catwoman and the Riddler were kind of like Batman. Like, they were, the, all three of them were sort of, had a sort of similar origin story, except mm. for, like, their station in life in the beginning of it. And yeah, exactly right. He was in his suit and she's like all these privileged guys. Although I think she does say to him at some point, I can tell he grew up rich or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, which I mean, yeah, just look at his, you know, seven seventy five thousand dollar uh, body he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of obvious that the guy has visible income. Although he does have, like, the shittiest Batmobile ever in this movie, which is just hilarious to me. It looks like somebody got, like, a 1970s Firebird and just threw, like, a body kit on it. And a jet, and a jet engine. And a jet engine. <laughs> but it does seem like it does seem like he, he thought to himself, like, his operating assumption when building this was, like, I need a superhero car. What is a superhero <laughs> car in a jet engine? <laughs> All right, and uh, so I think uh, I think with that we're going to draw uh, this to a close. Thank you, uh, thanks, JD. Uh, I, yeah, I hope to be uh, I hope to be uh, talking to you in uh, future episodes as well. Um, and uh, so uh, yeah, check. Uh, this is going to be available on VOD here, and uh, in the coming weeks, it's also going to get synced to uh, Apple and Spotify. So you will also be able to like get this on your regular podcast feed along with the main like with with ambitious crossover attempt um and uh so yeah awesome like really thank you so much for joining us and uh yeah well uh i think what will happen is like when we post our ep our, our pod episodes on monday we'll uh send out the room reminder for that week and either say what it's about or just call it like you know this week's show or something of that sort um yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so, yeah, stay stay tuned for more ambitious crossover attempts on Mondays and this on Wednesday nights. Uh, yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks everybody awesome. who showed up. Thanks. Thank you, Jen, and thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Have a good night, everyone. You too. Bye. Bye. Mm -hmm.